Welcome back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the fourth uh, hour of Overdrive on this week's Sunday Wire special edition. We're streaming out live on the alternate current radio network and at 21stCenturyWire.com. We have two great segments before this. If you're listening to the live broadcast, you can go back after the show and uh, do pick up the uh, recording uh, and listen at your leisure and download on iTunes. Uh, this show and every other episode is available at your fingertips and uh, for free, still for free. Uh, maybe one day it won't be, but today it is, and it is for the foreseeable future. And uh, we had a great uh, couple of segments. Obviously, we got the uh, team from Beirut uh, on their way to Syria. We spoke to uh, uh, Vanessa and her colleagues uh, on their way to Syria in the second hour. And L. Stuart J. Hooper just now in the last segment. Great information by Stuart. Um, I, I think the analysis is spot on. And the reason is... Uh, because we're getting uh, the information that we're getting uh, is 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 top quality, and the sort of sites that we're visiting and the people who we're following uh, are very informed on these issues uh, with regards to Syria, and the the pieces are coming together, and uh, it doesn't make for a very pretty picture uh, as far as the West is concerned. So, meanwhile, we've got a, a sort of parallel agenda running here, and by the way. I, I'm not going to ever play any U2 songs. U2, the band, the Irish band. Or they're not Irish anymore. They, they, they're Dutch, I guess. They changed their nationality. Uh, okay, after the Paris attacks, they absolutely tried to leverage uh, the climate summit, COP21 it's called. Um, so they're copping, they're copping a 21 in Paris uh, just after the attacks, and of course, you two, uh, Bono, the front man there, is, uh, present at that, uh, climate junket. And you know, I'm, I know some people are, uh, don't like it when I say that, uh, I don't believe in man-made, uh, climate change. And, uh, I'm not alone, by the way. Uh, there's millions of us, <laughs> maybe more. Um, because it's a political, it's a political uh, issue. It's nothing to do with science, okay? If you've looked into the IPCC, the UN's uh, uh, special VIP club of hand-picked uh, political appointees, and they're not picked for their scientific ability, trust us on that, okay? This is a political campaign, and it's a political campaign that's being waged in order to uh, give an unfair advantage to a few giant corporations who have already gamed the system and individuals who have already uh, made billions off of this idea of an existential threat, which is mankind uh, warming up the planet. Okay, now we're not we're not saying that there's not pollution, there's not toxic pollution. We are shouting at the top of our lungs about that. We're not talk. We're not saying that uh, there's not dangers with regards to nuclear waste and other things and fracking, because there are. But you have to separate pollution from the idea of anthropogenic global warming, aka uh, climate change, as it's been rebranded. Okay, that is a political construct, and it is no more real than well. I think the Greek gods. You know, Zeus fighting Hades, fighting the Kraken is more real. It's more real than uh, the sort of stuff 
that they're talking about at this climate summit. I've been to one. I went to the granddaddy of them in Copenhagen in uh, 20, 2009, I believe, and I saw it firsthand. I saw all the uh, paid-for foundation uh, radical groups. Uh, I saw all the other you know, people that are just feeding off this, make careers out of it, basically. Green this, green that. So I'm all for I'm all for sustainability and things all things green, uh, uh, providing they're actually uh, doing what they're supposed to be doing, and they're not just boondoggles. And there's a lot of boondoggles. So COP21, what do we see? Uh, Je suis Charlie. You'd think uh, the French goon squad. They have a goon squad. It's a it's a police, plain clothes police outfit in France, and they went. There was a girl who was shouting about fracking. And Holland's goon squad is outside of COP21. Obama's inside. You know, all the great world leaders are inside. What a bunch of fools. They're all lined up for the photo op. Meanwhile, the French goons are beating this girl, carrying her away outside because she's protesting about fracking. Oh, je suis Charlie, what happened to free speech? Not in France. Not in France, no. And don't talk about fracking. Because you'll get uh, black sacked, as we saw on camera, uh, on that video, which is posted on our Facebook page. So, not a good look. France, not a good look at all. But it shows what hypocrites they are. And you, too, uh, wasn't there to basically bail this girl out of jail. No, no, no. You, too, is busy organizing a concert with the American Eagles of Death Metal who were told were playing, they're the band playing at the Bataclan uh, during the uh, Paris attacks. And uh, so the American Eagles of Death Metal, a band I've never heard of. I don't know anybody else who's heard of them except one guy, Hesher, uh, producer at ACR. He knew of them. I didn't know anybody else who had ever heard of this band. Okay, And then I find out that HBO has been doing a reality series with them all year, has been shooting it. Did you know that? Did I? Did anybody else out there know that? Uh, HBO, Vice Magazine. By the way, Vice Magazine is HBO. Okay. Who's on the board of Vice News? I think Bill Maher. Bill Maher, nice guy. Nice guy. He's not annoying at all, is he? And uh, Fareed Zakaria, he's on the board too. Council on Foreign Relations. Uh, interesting characters. So... So that's HBO. So they've been doing this reality show, and the satanic uh, worshiping lead singer, Jesse Hughes, is apparently the, the, the thrust of this reality show is that they're going to make him into a Catholic priest uh, by the end of it. And just so happens, just a coincidence, uh, this uh, terrorist attack happens uh, at, at one of their concerts. Okay. And you have all these young people that look like extras on a film set. Uh, who are apparently fans of the American Eagles of Death Metal. I've never heard of them. No one I know has ever heard of them. And all of a sudden, their household name. Fancy that. So where's Bono? What's Bono up to? Well, here's Bono on with surprise, surprise. Bono being interviewed by Vice News board member Fareed Zakaria. You see how the, all the pieces come together here in terms of the stage managing of the media. So you 2 is right in the middle, and this is Bono saying that uh, they helped to organize mobile phones for the death metal guys after the terrorist attacks because they left their phones at the venue. So apparently everyone else got 
Loads of people got shot, but the band managed to get out unscathed. Uh, maybe it said backstage passes. I'm not sure. It's kind of a ridiculous narrative. Listen to Bono, though. One of the bands forced to cancel the show after the attack. We're talking about U2 set to perform again, and they're taking the stage tonight in Paris. CNN's Fareed Zakaria talked to U2 stars Bono and The Edge in an exclusive interview. Here's part of it. What was it like to be in Paris when when these attacks took place? Uh, yeah, it was obviously awful and chaotic, and you immediately think of who you know, your crew, who's out in the city, that kind of mentality. And then, of course, we thought about our fellow troubadours, the Eagles of Death Metal, and just what was happening there, because they were still locked in at that. Fellow troubadours? Our fellow troubadours, says Bono. Wow. That's an interesting one. The satanic worshipping fellow troubadours. Okay. That's cool. Time. And this, this was the band playing at the Bataclan where the largest number yeah. of people died. And we tried to help them the next day with various things. We tried to find a plane for them to get out and things like that. It turns out the best way we could help them was finding them phones. Because their phones had been left in the venue and the venue had been sealed off. So they were... They were at the police station and back in their hotel rooms without communication. So it turns out that was the most useful thing that we did, was find them some phones. Wow. I guess it's hard to find phones in Paris. They're, they're only selling them at every single corner store. Like every single corner, there's someone selling sell mobile phones. Pay as you go, whatever. So that was... So Bono was busy organizing cell phones for the... Uh, the great musical troubadour troupe, the American Eagles of Death Metal, uh, while they're on their uh, reality, world reality TV show tour. So wait till the series comes out. I guess that's that's going to get high ratings, don't you think? So Bill Maher is going to make some money there. Nice. So so let's look. Uh, so the Edge. He's uh, that's Bono, whose real name is Paul Hewson who is uh, Paul Hewson, Bono, sitting next to The Edge. I don't know what The Edge, his real name is. What a stupid nickname, The Edge. Now, I used to be a U2 fan like 25 years ago. Uh, I thought what they were doing was cool. And then Bono started hanging out with Tony Blair, who's a war criminal, who bombs and kills children and women, uh, who has no empathy whatsoever, and then tries to justify it like he's... God told him to do it. So this is Tony Blair, the psychopath, who is best friends with Bono. So at that point, I I was no longer a fan of of U2 or Bono. I mean, their music's good, uh, but something happened to Bono. He had to sell out, so he went to Bohemian Grove or whatever he did, and that was the end of that. Moloch, you know, set the owl on fire, whatever. So he did his... Now he's with... Well, the most evil people on the planet, basically. And so here he is playing a part in this. Uh, now, it, I'm going to say I've seen at least one. I know for a fact at least one crisis actress was being used by the ABC or one of the some of the mainstream networks uh, in the aftermath of Paris. That's just one I've seen. OK, Lit, an actress who is basically putting it on for the camera in Paris. Her name's Jeannie Watson or something like that. I wasn't convinced at all with her interview. I thought it was fake. 
You can go ahead and Google it. You've probably seen it if you've looked for it. I mean, it's pretty, it's, it's so bad. You know, it's like four hours after the worst massacre, uh, in Europe, you know, French history, terrorist massacre in French history. And she's just fluttering her eyelids like she just like, you know, got a, some pot noodles on the stove while she's doing this doorstep interview with ABC. It was a joke. Okay. This made me very suspicious of what's going on around this Paris event. And, of course, a planted fake Syrian passport. That sort of gave the game away for me. Uh, that's right, a fake Syrian passport planted at the scene. And, you know, what that set in motion was a huge uproar, uh, the migrant crisis and so forth, locked down the borders, etc. the police state. It was all based on a lie, okay? And, all, and the big manhunt for the, you know, this guy at large, that guy at large, uh, the fake female suicide bomber that wasn't in the apartment at the raid two days later. You know, it was just one lie after another, this kind of inflatable story. So it made me question the actual attack. What's going on there? Because why, why would they employ act, an actor to give a TV interview? Someone who's got an I, I, IMDB page. I mean, she's been in films, not very good ones, but so she's, I don't understand. Was she just making it up? Why do they just need a pretty face to sell the story? What's the deal? Okay. So here's the edge. And he's saying that the terrorists are attacking what U2 stands for. As Fareed Zakari says, they're attacking your lifestyle, which is private jets, uh, you know, eating out in restaurants every night. So apparently this is what ISIS is attacking. So U2 needs to do a concert to fight back. Unbelievable. This was an attack on on the kind of life you guys represent, right? I mean, yeah. a, an what kind of life does you two represent? I want to know. And according to Paul Hewson, aka Bono, it's about women, food, and music. Okay, these are all great things. Maybe these are the three greatest things in life. Okay, if you're a man. Uh, but come on. I can't believe we're having this conversation and they're beaming this around worldwide. Listen to this. Attack on rock music, the single largest uh, place where the people died was a rock concert. It seemed like the target was culture and every kind of expression of the best of humanity. So, so according to The Edge, I don't even know the guy's real name. I can't take anyone seriously who calls themselves The Edge. It's the stupidest name. I've ever heard. Anyway, looking at these grown old men wearing um, skull caps, trying to look like teenagers, wearing stupid sunglasses, which Bono wears, we still have to try to take what they say seriously. So he's saying that the American Eagles of death metal and their satanic worshipping lead singer, who calls himself the devil, Jesse Hughes, is the best humanity has to offer. Really? That's a little bit of a stretch. But... Who knows? It, it, this all makes good, good for good HBO television. Let's listen to the rest of it. You know, music, restaurants, French food, um, everything that was that we hold dear seemed to be the target. And um, of course, France is also it's it's the birth of the of the Enlightenment movement, which gave birth to America. It's like the place where the, the modern world. So France gave birth to America. So what you have. I don't want to belabor this point, but 
I get a little bit frustrated when I see, especially the two the two people that are most annoying when they try to be enter politics, are Hollywood actors and um, super uh, rock stars. Okay, because every time they do, it's just all bollocks. Okay, there's pseudo intellectuals. All right. That's what we're listening to here. Pseudo-intellectuals trying to inject themselves into some sort of seminal historical event. Uh, wow. Wow. I just I just remember all the money that got burned by Live Aid or whatever. That whole, that was a joke. And then the Live Aid, the one on August 8th, 2008, same thing. All the money that flowed to the musicians and the record labels. And I thought, what a huge fraud. These people are a joke. But a lot of people worship them and throw money at them. Western world was, was, was born. So I think the thing that we have to hold on to now in the aftermath is that, you know, we are not wrong. The, the, the instinct to, to doubt, start doubting, you know, these values and these ideas is... It's like, we're right. We're right. And that's why we're so determined to get back to Paris as soon as we can. Did you... What does he mean, we're right, we're not wrong? What does he mean? What does he mean? So I, I challenge the edge, the great intellectual powerhouse of the edge, who's probably a great guitar player, but we'll leave it at that. Uh, to go to tell us about Operation Gladio. And tell us why Operation Gladio would not be active right now in Europe. And, and, and explain to me how no one ever went to jail or was ever tried or sentenced for all the mass killings carried out by NATO intelligence in exact, almost identical circumstances as we have today in 2015. I throw that out to the edge. Go read about that and let's talk about that. Let's have a debate. Let's talk about false flag terror. Let's talk about all the, the, the weapons that France has flooded into Syria, into ISIS, to create the problem that it pretends it's going to solve by launching airstrikes a couple of weeks ago, illegally by international law. Let's talk about that, Edge. We are not wrong, says the Edge. Uh, who are you speaking for? You're not speaking for me, and you're not speaking for the listeners of this show, who are a hell of a lot smarter than you. Stick to playing guitars, and stick to your private jets, and your fake charity concerts, and all the money that you guys pocket off of championing these so-called causes, and running around with your uh, VIP riders backstage, drinking uh, vodka and scooping out caviar with your hands, okay? These people just pretty much disgust me. They're so ignorant. They're so out of touch. They're playing nice for the cameras uh, because it's all about uh, being politically correct in the music world so that you can sell, be acceptable enough to sell records and uh, hang around with people like uh, unsavory people like Tony Blair. And and Barack Obama, for that matter, who is a, a quite an accomplished warmonger in his own right. Okay, 
And then Farid's just sucking up to him in that sycophantic way that we see media doing so often, which is disgusting. And where does it end, folks? Where does it end? Do I really want to hear about you two and what they think about the world? They have nothing to offer. They did maybe in the past, but, you know, how many billions of dollars is enough? You know, while all the musicians trying to scrape a living, uh, signing on the dole, who, quite frankly, are more talented than anyone in U2, but because they came around at the right time, they monopolized their little corner of the entertainment industry, and they go around championing fake causes like climate change. Well done, guys. So we're, so what's come out of the San Bernardino shooting in America? Um, the, the, the end of Snowden, basically. So here's the talking point that we were looking for. Uh, I'll let Marco Rubio, this is the man-child from Florida, Senator Marco Rubio, who's a complete joke, but he's basically saying that, uh, wow, the uh, the problem with the San Bernardino mass uh, shooting is that because of Ed Snowden and people demanding that the NSA stop uh, hoarding our phone records, they w- weren't able to get five years' worth of phone records of uh, Saeed Farouk, the alleged gunman, from the San Bernardino killings. So here we go. The end of the Snowden era, they're calling it. Problem, reaction, solution. How convenient. Here's Rubio. Violence, uh, aspect of what you're just talking about, because I asked the White House about the specifically about this Associated Press story, and they say uh, that, first of all, they have access now under this new policy, this new program, they have access to more uh, metadata than they had before, uh, in terms of the overall volume, uh, and they say that this is a criminal investigation now because of the attack as in the past, and the, the D- Department of Justice has access uh, to many, many years of, of calls. Are you saying that there's anything that changed in the recent days that, if it had not changed, that these individuals could have been detected? I'm not saying that alone. The Associated Press is saying that, as they reported yesterday. And again, this talk about this being a criminal investigation goes back to exactly what my problems are with this administration. This is a terrorist operation within the United States. The the fact that they were not told by ISIS, go into this specific center on a specific date and conduct an attack, fundamentally misunderstands the nature of this growing threat. The homegrown violent extremist does not take specific direction from ISIS. They are inspired to take action. And for example, do you ever get the feeling when you listen to Marco Rubio that you're listening to some snotty freshman fraternity member uh, who's a member of the debate society as well, who can read off the cue cards, memorize all sorts of stuff, but doesn't actually know anything? Do you, do you get that vibe off Marco Rubio? That's the vibe that I, I get off this guy, that he actually doesn't know what he's talking about. He's very good at rattling off. He's, he's got a great memory. You can tell he memorizes stuff well. But he, his head is an empty vessel. You know, the lights are on, but nobody's home. Example, how did these people come up with the money to buy these weapons and the ammunition and build the pipe bombs? This was potentially... Good question, Marco. How did they come up with the money? How did this uh, couple, this Pakistani couple in San Bernardino, how did they get the 12 grand they would have needed to get all of this expensive stuff, Okay. ISIS didn't pay for it. But let's say, how did James Holmes raise uh, a medical student from Colorado? How did he raise 20 grand to accumulate his arsenal? 
that he allegedly put together that he supposedly had. Where did the money come from? Hmm. Let's think about that for a minute. How did Chris Lee Cornell get the thousands of dollars necessary to buy the guns and the ammo? Uh, and he was basically broke, uh, working a part-time below minimum wage job or something like that. Where did he get the thousands of dollars? Well, in the case of Chris Lee Cornell, it seems as if the FBI bought all of the guns and stuff. Well, that's what his father uh, alluded to in the news reports last year when the FBI did their terror bust of Chris Lee Cornell the day, uh, a couple of days after the Charlie Hebdo attacks in Paris. So the FBI gave him, so he got the cash from the informant or the person who was informing on him and directing him. They gave him the money. He goes to the gun shop and they bust him. And then it, it makes for a good press conference, okay? James Holmes, where did he get the sort of, I don't know, 15, 20 grand? What, what was his setup worth? And now this couple in San Bernardino, I mean, he, he's, he's on 40,000 or they said 70,000. Uh, it's got a wife and kids. I, I, I can't see where you'd have 10 grand laying around. They could buy body armor and, uh, ta- military issued tactical gear and, uh, various rifles and modifications on the, I mean, come on. Marco, where did he get the money? Ask the FBI. Thousands of dollars of expenditures. Are we going to be able to track down where that money came from? Again, they have lost an intelligence tool that was very valuable because they're trying to go back to phone companies. Most of the, many of these phone companies are saying, we're not even going to retain records. Others are only retaining them for 18 months. So even if they had access to it, if the documents do not exist, they can't put together the broader picture of who these people are, who they've been dealing with, particularly the man who's been in this country his whole life. Wouldn't we want to know as much about him as possible in an, in an effort to perhaps identify others that were of assistance in this attack? According to the Associated Press, that information is no longer available. But he wasn't on anybody's radar. I guess that's the question, is how would he have been detected if he wasn't on anybody's radar? And in terms of the woman... Uh, she's only been in this country for two years. But that's exactly why the metadata program is so critical. They, people wind up on your radar that perhaps wouldn't have been on your radar. So, for example... Uh, did he just say what I just thought he just said? He said, so Jack Tripper, uh, the CNN host, he says, Jack Tripper says, well... The wife's only been in the country two years, so and he wasn't even on anyone's radar, the FBI's radar. And Marco Rubio says, "Well, that's what the metadata program's for, because because it will people will turn up who weren't on your radar before." What sort of bullshit is this? This is unreal. So this is Marco Rubio, the guy in the debates that's saying that we need smaller government, that the, the federal government doesn't have a right to tell businesses what to do. And he's right there telling you that companies should not only keep all their phone records, but hand them over any time for any reason to the federal government. So Marco Rubio is one giant hypocrite, okay? Part of the uh, the closet Nazi party in America. We'll, we'll tell you who else is in that party in a minute. But um, what a hypocrite. Nothing these people say is consistent. Nothing makes sense. 
For them to conduct this attack, I believe that it is highly, highly likely that they dealt with somebody at some stage in this process. Marco Rubio believes, he believes, who cares what Marco Rubio believes? Because I, I will bet, your, bet my bottom dollar, I'll bet the farm, that Marco Rubio doesn't know anything. Okay? He's just good at flapping his gums and regurgitating uh, whatever the Pentagon's talking points are. Whether it's a person who helped them finance this effort or individuals that provided weapons, and that's why you want access to the metadata. Right, but the metadata program. About those individuals. To, it was the old program during all those years. That's what I'm saying. It, it, it changed no. recently. That's I understand what you're saying going forward. But in terms of finding Syed Farouk, like that was under the old metadata program. No, I, yeah, right. But that's what I'm talking about. Moving. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. You idiot, Marco. All the the, the records are they're available. Okay. They can, the metadata is, is going to be there, okay? You idiot. So what are you complaining about? What he's doing, he's trying to push for police state measures. He's trying to take away your freedoms. This is Marco Rubio's mission, okay? The, him and the rest of the hypocrites who are in the sort of war on terror crowd, okay? Absolute hypocrites. So... Gosh, uh, just moving along the GOP uh, brain trust here. So we have Donald Trump says that uh, we need to go after not only ISIS, but we need to wipe out and kill all their family members. I'm not making it up. Lots of friends, you're talking about ISIS, and you said this. Roll the tape. We're fighting a very politically correct war. Yeah. Well, we see that happening the with the terrorists, you have to take out their families. When you get these terrorists, you have to take out their families. They, they care about their lives. Don't kid yourself. Mr. But they Trump. say they don't care about their lives. You have to take out their families. Jack Bauer for president. What about Jack Bauer for president? Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump, what he just said there, you have to be a... a a psychopath to make a statement like that, especially someone who's running for president. You have got to be a, a, a real psychopath. Either that or it's just all a big imaginary game to you and you don't really care. Nothing you say means anything. I, I said this before. Donald Trump is a quick study. He's, he's going to be good. He's learning this political game, which is, you know, just completely talking out of your ass most of the time. That is the, the one of the most disgusting statements. Uh, it, 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 it falls down on so many levels, it's not even worth commenting on. Okay? What is wrong with this guy? But this is the, this is the kind of closet new American Nazi party. The, the, their membership is, uh, is impressive. And they're all in it. They're all in it. They're all on the the the, uh, the security gravy train. And I'll tell you what, Donald Trump wants to fill up those FEMA camps, but he doesn't want to fill them up with patriots. He wants to fill them up with Muslims. Given the opportunity, I think he he'd probably just stand there, throw his hands up, like do that whole New York thing. Hey, you know. Uh, I really don't want to throw them in there. You know, I really, really, really feel sorry for these people. All right, I've, they're, they're, I'm sure they're good people. 
I'm sure they're good people, but but we've got a problem. They're chopping people's heads off, and we're going to have to do something about it. I'm really sorry, but we need to get them on a database, get them on trains, and get them into those camps. And and the mob is sitting there cheering. You know, we're going to make America great again. Yeah, nice job. You're making America really great, Donald. If if this is if this is making America great, I hate to see you as president. That's that's a scary thought, and it might come true. Who knows? Play your cards right, Donald. But uh, that, that's not making America great. That's flushing America. That's flushing all of us. Flushing our reputation down the toilet. You have a big golden toilet. It says Trump on it. There's your legacy, Donald. Wipe out their families. You've been watching too much 24. How can you live with yourself? You're psycho. These people are just insane. And there's people who re- this resonates with, unfortunately. And there's a little competition behind Donald for, for the moderate extremists like John Kasich. We need a Federal Bureau of Ju- Judeo-Christian Values. That idiot. Oh, my God. John Kasich looks like he'd be the actually the nastiest of all of them. He puts on this veneer like he's a nice guy. He looks like a nasty piece of work. I saw him breathing fire this morning on uh, on one of the networks. I mean, he is dangerous. Dangerous. Oh, my goodness. What are we going to do with these people? Okay, so Fox is talking about we need to lock down. The USA needs to go into lockdown because of San Bernardino. Only temporarily we need to shut our borders and not any let any Muslims in the country, legally or otherwise or whatever. I'm not kidding. Listen. Less. I mean, how sophisticated do you expect they were? I mean, how difficult do you think it's going to be not for law very. enforcement to get to the bottom of how this was planned, with whom it was planned, how long and so on? Megan, this is the thing. We always have this hindsight's twenty twenty. How difficult was it to get box cutters onto airplanes on 9-11? It's these simple targets. They go after these soft targets. We keep hearing soft targets, soft targets, soft target. Okay? One of the things without... Just, just for our listeners, uh, that's not a woman talking. That's actually a man. Uh, and no, he's not a jockey. It's not Frankie Tatori. Uh, I believe he's a former... Uh, Pentagon official, I believe he's a lieutenant colonel. I don't have his name to hand, uh, but he's on Fox all the time. The the high rank of uh, lieutenant colonel. Is Al-Qaeda sympathizers repeatedly get busted by the FBI because they go on the internet, they try to have somebody help them build a bomb, all this kind of stuff. We saw that with the Dave Matthews concert uh, attempted bombing at Wrigley Field in Chicago, where thank God it was an FBI agent online, but this Al-Qaeda sympathizer... Oh, did you hear that, folks? The Dave Matthews concert at Chicago's Wrigley Field. Thank God there was an FBI agent online who caught it. Did it ever occur to anybody, again, that that FBI agent online is part of the creation of this little cell? Maybe created the plot, encouraged them to maybe go through with the bombing? Maybe radicalizing people? Is it... Did it occur to anybody that there's people on the FBI payroll that are radicalizing American Muslims? Do you think that's possible? Has that ever happened? The answer is yes, it has happened. So if it has happened, why can't it happen again? 
And here we have this clown on Fox, Lieutenant Colonel, what's his name? ISIS is telling people, think globally, take in this whole radical Islamic caliphate ideology, but act locally. So it's San Bernardino. We're all they, they, San... they just said that. I mean, that, that was almost word for word what the directive was after Paris. Absolutely. There's a reason why they're pushing these people into these very heavily encrypted uh, chat rooms and different applications so that the FBI can't crack them, the CIA can't crack them, and other allied intelligence agencies can't get in to see what they're talking about. But this is what ISIS wants, because if they can do it in San Bernardino, they can do it in Cupertino, they can do it in Naples, Florida, they can do it in Arlington Heights, Illinois. It doesn't matter. This is what terrors... By the way, you might write down the names of those cities and bookmark that, too, because this guy might have been dropping uh, some hints. Cupertino, Naples, Florida. Interesting choice of cities. Does Lieutenant Colonel know something we don't? I don't know. I don't know. Does he hang out with Pam Geller? Probably. All about. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, I don't know what it's going to take in this country. Are we going to need to see this happen in a school, someplace else? It's soft targets, soft targets, soft targets. That's what these guys want. And they're going to be successful but, unless we dial it up. What? But how? I mean, it's one thing to say the terrorists are making gains over in Syria. We should bomb them more or we should send in more special forces. It's quite another to say... I, I, you t how? How were they to be detected? Specific, I'm not saying it can't be done, but how? More FBI agents? More NSA-type programs? What is it? I'm sure that, that like, like, like me, all of our listeners out there at the Sunday Wire can rest a little bit peacefully at night knowing that Megyn Kelly from Fox is, is, is wargaming all these scenarios for us on our behalf, uh, to, to help hopefully make a, make our world a safer place, that we have the top minds, the top minds in the world on the case, like Megyn Kelly, to, 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 to figure out how to keep us safe. It does make me relax just a little bit more, and I sleep just a little bit more peacefully knowing that, that Megyn, Megyn's on the case. Well, I'll tell you, I read a great article, and I believe it was Charles Cook at NRO who wrote the article that said, you know what, American lives are important. And maybe what we need to do in this country is to say for the next 12 months, we are suspending all visas of people from Muslim nations until we find the people from those nations that have overstayed their visas here. Now, is that draconian? Is it crazy? Is it going to hurt Muslim business people? Absolutely. But if you get a businessman in Jeddah or in Jordan that looks at his radical nephew and says, you know what, I'm losing money. I can't run my business in America because I've been frozen out because it's you and the idiots at your radical mosque. Megan, you and me, Mark Furman. Uh, Mark Furman. Oh, my, uh, one of the guys that made his career off the O.J. Simpson case. Yeah, and there's, there's so many people that made their careers off that ridiculous media event. Wow. Ralph Peters, we cannot reform Islam. It can only come from within Islam, and it can only come from us turning up the heat on them to force them to reform. And that's the kind of stuff we need to be looking at. I'll bet ISIS is shaking in their boots. You have a, a gelded jockey, a lieutenant colonel, and Megyn Kelly uh, uh, basically saying they're gonna, how they're going to deal with ISIS. God, they must be shaking in their boots. They must be shaken in their boots. So, so next is uh, Bob Bear, uh, former CIA operative Bob Bear. So Bob Bear threw out a little hint, uh, which is not good news for Saudi Arabia. 
Listen to this. So they've asked Bob Bear what's going on. Start with you. Uh, when we hear about this, we had been uh, processing this information all night. What does this take investigators to in terms of what these trips could mean? So that's Chris Cuomo from CNN, uh, the great, great intrepid reporter, uh, the greatest reporter ever, ever to walk the face of the earth. So he thinks. Uh, and he's got Jim Shahudo, a Pentagon operative, Bob Bear, CIA operative, and he's just bouncing in between them. What do you think we should do? How, how, how should we deal with this, uh, this ISIS-inspired event? And here's what they say. Well, a couple of things. This is the pattern that U.S. counterterror, U.S. law enforcement officials have been warning, warning about, looking out for, for some time, which is an American radicalized, uh, either overseas or, or via the Internet, who carries out an attack on this soil. It is early. The evidence is that he was radicalized, but there is still... Cons- How many times can you use radicalized in one sentence? Let's listen. See, Jim's done it twice. Three times. Let's listen. Consideration here that there might have been combined motives. Regardless, there are indications that part of that motive was extremism, and that's significant. Now, the fact is, uh, you, you have precedent for this happening, that radicalization happening without any foreign travel. That's four times radicalization. Right, because groups such as ISIS and others have been very powerful about motivating young, motivating young men, whether in North America or in Europe, to act even without that foreign travel. But listen, you... Wait, how, how many how many men in North America have been motivated or have been made to act by ISIS? Exactly how many? Because I am, in reality, okay, away from all the hyperbole and all the fake talking points, I'm willing to bet that that number is probably between one and zero in reality. When I saw... Uh, the importance that that foreign travel can play as we covered the Paris attacks just a couple of weeks ago because several of the attackers there, in addition to being Europeans, had a lot of social media contact with these groups, also went to the battlefield. Now, that's very different from going to Saudi Arabia for the Hajj. It may be that he went there and that the radicalization happened separate of that. There's more five, six times, I don't know. Or after he came back to the States. But that is certainly a line of communication that they're looking into in addition to phone contact and social media contact that he had with known international terrorism subjects. So, you know, what we're seeing here, Chris, is, is it appears the realization of a danger that folks have been warning about for some time here in the U.S., and, and it's sad to see. And, and, and it's something that they've known about, they've known this potential, and we may very well have seen that play out yesterday. And Bob, maybe Bob Bear, maybe this is part of the reason uh, that we're hearing uh, people on, in the intel community say, look, don't bother me about the refugees coming in here. It's about who's already here, who are citizens, and what do they do to themselves or what do others do to them. What do you see? Yeah, that's right, Chris Cuomo. We need to check out the citizens who are already here. Forget about those refugees. It's the terrorists hiding among us, the U.S. citizens who already have passports. They're the ones we need to worry about. And now the voice of the CIA, Bob Bear. In this information, especially this wrinkle about the wife, that you know she's brought in here on a fiance visa. That's not what should raise the eyebrow. But then she then winds up being part of the attack, not support, not a bet. Although Chris says she's part of the attack, but no one can ID her at the shooting scene because we're told the two shooters had masks and they were both men. Well, that was the initial reports anyway. No, 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 no initial reports talked about the five foot three, 
uh, a Pakistani housewife with a hijab and a mask over. And was she wearing what? Indian slippers? No. Body armor, tactical gear, men. Men. Not the wife. But of course, this, this is all too complex for Chris Cuomo. He's, uh, he needs it simple. He needs to keep it simple because otherwise he gets confused. An aid, but actually as part of it. Well, you know, what we've seen so far, Chris, I think the, the, she was radicalized as well. Clearly, you know, sacrificing, you know, in, in effect, her baby, handing it off, six-month-old baby. She was a committed, uh, let's put it this way, terrorist. I mean, she- So Bob Baer, the voice of the CIA, said that the wife was a committed terrorist. He knows nothing about her. He's not seen any of the evidence. There is no, there's hardly, there is no evidence. They can't put her at the scene of the shooting, let alone going in there like G.I. Jane, commando style. And Bob's saying now she's a committed terrorist. So this is interesting. It's the demonization in absentia after the fact, trial by social media, layers and layers and layers of fabricated, Narratives upon narratives. This is what they do all day, every day. Unbelievable. She was she was a believer. Uh, the connections with Saudi Arabia don't surprise me at all. Uh, the Saudi, the average Saudi, is absolutely opposed to the United States uh, fighting the Islamic State and Al Qaeda. Um, they hold us responsible for the death of Muslims. Um, it would be easy to go back to Saudi Arabia, and someone would suggest go home, uh, make an attack, a random attack. The Americans are our enemy. Now, Bob. Yes, go ahead. Bob, let me stop you there for a second, because, you know, if you were at the CIA... Wait, hold on. Chris Cuomo's got a brainwave. Everyone pay attention closely. Right now, I don't know that I'd be hearing that from you. You know, you get a real mixed message about Saudi Arabia from the U.S. government. They're a friend. They're helping us. But there's always this undercurrent of others who say, you know, they're really the head of the snake. They really fund a lot of these things. And whether it's the Saudi family or is it some of their cousins, that there's a real division of friend-foe in that country. Are you saying that this points to that as well, this latest information? It's complicated. I, as we were speaking, I've been getting texts from the Middle East saying the Saudi royal family is not long for this world. They're trying to hold back this radical... Whoa, everybody. Get your notepads out. CIA operative Bob Bear just said the Saudi royal family, I quote, is not long for this world, says Bob Bear on CNN. Now, I don't know about you, but that is kind of a significant statement. I don't know about you, but to me, that's a significant statement. So what is going to happen to the Saudi royal family? Bob Bear has just dropped a little hint. Something could be up. That would be major. That would be major. Oh, and all hell would break loose. ...of the Saudi street. Uh, they're doing their best. You know, the, the, the interior minister, the crown prince, is on our side clearly but they can't keep a lid on this volcano, and they certainly can't keep track of all the radicalized, militant, uh, you know, warriors, if you like, that are being created there, that are going to... Created by the CIA. Thank you very much. Syria, going to Iraq, fighting with the Islamic State, coming home, radicalizing other people. Did he say, going to Syria, fighting with the Islamic State, coming home, radicalizing other people? Well, Bob knows a lot about this. He knows he knows quite a lot. He knows more than we think. He knows a lot more than we think. 
Old Bob is right in the middle of it. So, so anyway, we tracked down the whole story hinges, the whole San Bernardino story. We tracked it down. It hinges on one eyewitness testimony, a man by the name of Glenn Wilworth, who allegedly has a business opposite the Inland Regional Center in San Bernardino, a, a printing paper company called S&P Paper. We tried to look for this company. It doesn't have a website. It's got a Facebook page, which was created on September 17, 2015. And Glenn Wilworth claims that he gave the police the tip that the shooters fled in a black SUV, and this somehow this is how the police tracked down this married couple. All down to this one guy, Glenn Wilworth, and uh, his his details are up at Twenty uh, First Century Wire. Let's listen to to Glenn because this they wouldn't have got the suspects or known who they were or anything if it wasn't for this one guy. And I'm not he should be all over the media. He cracked the whole case. Yet he's where is he? I don't know where he is. I don't know where he is. Kind of an elusive character. Let's hear what Glenn had to say on the day. Glenn Wilworth was a witness to the initial shooting. He joins me now on the phone with more details on this. He is in San Bernardino here in California. Uh, so, uh, Glenn, just explain to us exactly where were you when all this began? What did you hear and what did you see? Yeah, um, the way it all kind of worked out was uh, my, my office, uh, my building is actually directly across the street from the uh, Inman Regional Center. My office window faces the Inland Regional Center, and I was in my office and saw somebody run by my window. And when I got up to investigate, they rushed into my uh, my front door seeking shelter, saying they're they're shooting, they're shooting everybody. And uh, so I told everybody to basically just lock uh, lock down the building. Everybody stay put bring down all the doors and uh i actually grabbed my sidearm and holstered up and uh went towards where the shooting was happening so cal john wayne got his sidearm and holstered up and headed towards the danger and uh about halfway uh, uh from my place to where the shoot where the shooters were i I hunkered down by uh, a water truck that was out on the street. I hunkered down by the water truck that was out on the street. Hell yeah. And uh, I stayed posted up there until about another 10 or 15 shots went off. Uh, I was able to see somebody. Um, couldn't tell, you know, description-wise anything other than I could see somebody moving through the trees, uh, get into a black SUV. And uh, they started to head towards me, uh, uh, leaving the area, which wasn't uncommon. There was a lot of people trying to get out of the area. The only thing that was different about this, uh, from my my viewpoint, was they were moving very slow. Um, they weren't uh, in a hurry to get out of there, where everybody else was kind of fleeing. Yeah, because it was uh, all part of the drill, Glenn, which we outlined in the first hour of the show. All part of the active shooter drill. Um, when they headed towards me, they got about maybe 25 yards away, and they changed course and headed out towards the, the rear of the parking lot of the Inland Regional Center and uh, and exited uh, um, to the north side of where I was at, so they were away from me. So, Glenn, let's just 
uh, talk about your reaction here. So you, you, you grabbed your own firearm, your own weapon, and you went out once you secured the people inside your office. Uh, did, did you actually fire any shots at, at, the, at the two suspects, or did you not get close enough? No, no. I, I You know, I looked, uh, I actually, where I was posted up uh, was in between my building. I really just want Is this guy stoned or something? Did he just have a bong hit? Is it just me? Uh, this is this is as the story's breaking, people. Like literally, the suspects are supposedly still on the loose, okay, or 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 they've just been cornered just now when this this report was being done. This guy just sounds like he just had a giant bong hit. It, it it's it's almost incredulous that he was involved in this shootout. I just don't see it. I wanted to make sure that whatever was going on, it didn't venture over to, to where I had my family and, and my employees um, and, and have to deal with that situation. But as I saw the vehicle leaving, I, I, was, uh, I was posted up with uh, aim on them, but I could not tell for sure. There was just so much chaos going on. If I, if I wasn't 100% sure, there's no way I was going to even get myself, uh, you know, involved in anything like that. But Let me just uh, throw this out to any of our listeners, uh, people who live in California. What do you know about the gun laws in California? Concealed carry, hard to get, easy to get, anybody? So what do you reckon? This guy is out in the backwater. He's in the armpit of San Bernardino which San Bernardino is the armpit of California. Okay, so he's in the armpit of the armpit in his uh, paper company, we're told, S&P Papers, and he just kind of brings his, he's got his gun with him in the office. You know, I don't, it's not like a 7-Eleven convenience store. It's it's business to business. So he's holstered up at work every day in California. I find that to be beyond strange. So who is this Glenn Wilworth, really? Uh, had anything uh, transpired from there, well, at least I know I was prepared, um, but I really didn't want to have to do something like that. Nobody would have to, nobody should have to go through something like that. Did you get a clear look at um, the, the two shooters? Would you know if, uh, could you describe what they were wearing? Because there's been some description that they're wearing assault-style clothing. Some other people described it as maybe even uh, armored armored vests, that kind of thing. Uh, masks on their face. Did you could you tell? No, no, I wasn't able to see anything about them at all. The the vehicle that they were in, the SUV, had tinted windows. Uh, I looked really hard to try to to even see the driver's face, and I. But he said he saw them moving through the trees very slowly. So they weren't moving fast. He said he saw them get into a black SUV earlier, and now he says he didn't even see them. That's a bit weird. Couldn't see anything. So, no. And I didn't know if there was more. I didn't know if there was one. I didn't know how many there were. Wow. So he's already walking it back. He didn't. He didn't know if there was one. He didn't know. Wow. So what did he? Re- so how could he have seen what he said he saw earlier? And now he says he didn't see anything because the interviewer asked him for a specific. He cornered him, and so he doesn't want to commit. So he's walking it back. This is how I'm reading this. Okay. But then again, I'm very skeptical about the whole 
that this guy, without this guy, that they wouldn't have uh, apprehended the uh, supposed husband and wife shooter team. Um, after I, I I left there and went over to uh, uh, my neighbor's place to check on them, the lighthouse for the blind, they were they were all kind of uh, uh, tucking themselves away too, and. Uh, but they were all they were all okay in there, so I just wanted to make sure you know everybody was was okay around me here. Well, Glenn, we're glad that you are down. safe. Yeah, um, the first officer, uh, the first officer that came in too, I flagged him down and gave him a description of the vehicle right away and told him what I saw. Right. Well, Glenn, we're glad you're safe. Um, incredible, uh, quick thinking there for you. To do what you had oh, yeah. Incredible. done earlier today to, to take care of those people, um, make sure they were safe in your office. Fantastic. And take your own action that you did. Uh, we appreciate you sharing uh, what you went through, and I uh, hope uh, everything with you is... I uh, hope you're doing okay. Thank you very much. Earlier, I spoke about the shooting with Hassam Elush. He's the executive director for the Los Angeles chapter of... Okay, so that was the man of the hour. That is Glenn Wilworth. He, the whole story hinges on him. The whole thing. There would have been no shooters. There would have been no shootout at the end without this guy's tip off to the police. Where is he now? He should be all over the media, right? Wrong. He's not. He's disappeared. So, if you're in San Bernardino, you might go check out and see if that's a real business or not. I don't know. I'm I'm just a hopeless skeptic. I might be wrong about all this, but, you know, active shooter drills, those are real. So here, so what do we have? An orgy of uh, security talk. Here's Aaron Cohen. This is an Israeli-American uh, dual citizen, I guess, that is advocating for all things Israeli in terms of security in the United States. And here he is uh, on Fox with uh, Bill O'Reilly. Oh, my God. I have to listen to this. Um, we have to listen to this. So he's evoking the Boston bombings, another sort of FBI-linked, bizarre, staged bombing event in 2000, April 2013. Uh, so this guy's evoking the ghosts of Boston. Here we go common thread for me the tactical footprint on this one uh, and, and and also the same with the bomber uh, bombers in Boston is the level of aggression that we're seeing with these would-be terrorists and that's the thread that I'm connecting here yeah, for the I mean, tactical they're, they're sociopath, uh, they're, uh, psychopaths Bill would know what those are <clears throat> takes one to know one uh, they hate us um, and it doesn't matter who us is uh, you can be a, a, a child, a woman, a man, it doesn't matter what color you are. A middle-aged uh, Irish-American talk show host, annoying talk show host, could be anybody. Religion you are, they go in and they're just blasting away. So, Mr. so there's the inane childlike conversation. That's Bill O'Reilly, the great genius. We're told he graduated from Harvard, although it's hard to tell the way he talks sometimes. Blasting away, says Bill O'Reilly. So here's Aaron Cohen. Now listen to this. At the end, he'll say that U.S. needs to be more like Israel. We need to run our society like Israel runs it. So this is what we talked about in previous shows, the Israelification of U.S. society uh, through these various crises and faux terror events. Here's, again, Aaron Cohen, security expert. 
It could be a, a, a child, a woman, a man. It doesn't matter what color you are, what religion you are. They go in and they're just blasting away. So, Mr. Hansen, I mean, I don't know any society can stop that, a free society. Do you? Did you hear what Bill O'Reilly just did there? He basically just slagged off us having a free society. So what he's inferring there, which is what we showed you last week uh, with one of the uh, Pentagon-type link spokeswoman, I forgot her name, Dozier, Kimberly Dozier, the problem is a free society. She blamed Paris on the fact that, that Europe's a free society. We have freedom of movement and so forth, and this is the problem. This is our weakness. We need to get rid of this free society in order to be safe and secure. So Bill just gave a wink and a nod to that there by what he just said. Very clever, very indirect, but this is the business they're in. Subliminal programming is what they do best. I think you have to look at the fact that they're not just sociopaths or psychopaths. They do have an animating ideology. That ideology is jihad. It is the pursuance of Sharia. It is furthering the goal of ISIS, which is a global caliphate. A global caliphate. So this is the the flippant... Israeli security expert who's really American. His name's Aaron Cohen. You can just show up in Israel and get citizenship if you're whatever, that way inclined. So he's saying the global caliphate. Now, let's think about that for a minute. The global caliphate. So do you really reckon they can establish a global caliphate? And we spoke about this in with Stuart Hooper. In a way, they really overblow the ISIS threat, okay? They're there. They're real. Yeah, they are formidable and dangerous, and they are hell-bent on wreaking havoc and chaos, right? But they're not going to conquer the globe, okay? It's not going to happen. But you're deluded to even talk about it, but this is the delusional world we're meant to be living in. That somehow China is going to convert to Wahhabism overnight, all three billion of them. And Japan and the United States and everyone else and Mexico. Give me a break. Ludicrous, ridiculous discussion. This is nonstop on U.S. television, media, every channel practically. This country has lost its mind over this. ISIS now has an intercontinental caliphate, and these people... An intercontinental caliphate. Wow, and we're supposed to take these people seriously. An intercontinental caliphate. Aaron Cohen. What a clown. People feel that their contribution is to kill infidels to further that cause. All right, so, so they're, like, they're like soldiers in the war of ISIS as their central command, and here they are. But, but you're, you're dealing with a free society, a society that allows people to come and go. Um, and, I, you know, again, these people, it's always the same uh, story, Mr. Cohen, and you're out in L.A. Well, we never, how could this happen? The imam of the mosque, where they, well, no, we never saw this. The guy's brother-in-law can't believe it. It's always the same. It's always the same kind of stuff. And it just seems to me that we're in a war. We're not really fighting it. But even if we fought it, even even if President Obama was a wartime president, I don't think you stop this kind of stuff totally. You can't. Well, there's no such thing, Bill, as total uh, uh, safety, but in Israel we've learned that we can get to a high degree of safety as long as the safety protocol... 
Did you hear that? In Israel, ooh, we can get to a high degree of safety in Israel. Wow. Okay, so we need to do what Israel does. So, so why don't we set up what Israel has, which is why don't we take all the brown people and fence them up and stick them in uh, some Bantu stands and then keep that under military occupation and shoot the kids when they throw stones. When they get angry about their imprisonment, then shoot them. Uh, so they throw a stone, you shoot them. Let's have that system in America. How about that? So, well, we do have Indian reservations, so they have done it before. So anyway, the GOP uh, the, the, all gathered this week to the. I, I have to. I have to report on this because it's so. There's. It's so schmaltzy to use a, a Yiddish term. So this is the uh, the Jew the GOP at the Jewish National. Uh, uh, lobby convention or something or rather and they're all just hamming it up and uh, yeah so li- listen to uh, I think it's John Kasich I was watching Schindler's List so they get up and play to the Jewish crowd by talking about Schindler's List and everything like that what the, what the GOP are doing is they're, they're soliciting money they're trying to get some checks for their campaign listen to this this is this is CNN's little sort of Jewish hour, I guess you could describe it as this morning. It's kind of ridiculous. Last night, I was uh, was watching Schindler's List. Everybody here has seen Schindler's List. If you want to look for a really good friend, get somebody who's Jewish. I'm a negotiator like you folks. We're negotiators. Oi! Those were some of the presidential candidates at this week's Republican-Jewish Coalition Forum. Joining us today are some real menches. Ken Cuccinelli, <laughs> president of the Senate Conservatives Fund. Mira Tandon, president of the Center for American Progress. And CNN political commentators S.E. Cup and Van Jones. Uh, Mira, I, I know that... Uh, presidential candidates bring out the pandering in all sorts of ways. We certainly see it with Democrats before Latino groups, and it goes on and on. Schindler's List. You know, I, I didn't... I mean, part of it was pandering. Part of it was actually kind of feeding stereotypes, So, which was more disconcerting to me. I mean, the idea that Jews are good negotiators, etc. I mean, the Times of Israel commented that... And we should point out, by the way, that you're not Jewish, even though everybody in the world thinks you are. (laughs) Oh, my God, I can't take it. Anyway, that's what was going on there. So, again, this feeds into this uh, conversation. Uh, Israel is just doing wonderful work over there in the Middle East. Uh, They're doing fantastic work. They run such an efficient, wonderful society. Uh, there in the uh, occupied territories. Uh, I could play you some other stuff that would just make your head spin. But um, we'll end with this story, and this is a little bit disturbing. The U.K. are claiming they had a Woolwich uh, attacker 2.0 at Leytonstone uh, Underground Station. That's over in East London. I know it well. So apparently a man, a, bl- a black man, tall, uh, I, I, presumably Muslim, uh, clearly mentally ill. Looks like he was probably homeless. He stabbed two or three people. And, of course, the uh, flying squad showed up, and the Sweeney showed up and uh, put an end to that. And apparently they're saying, although I, I, I have a hard time believing this, this is for Syria, he said, exactly the same thing that the uh, uh, alleged uh, attackers at the Bataclan Theater said. 
This is for Syria um, before they supposedly blew themselves up, we're told. Same thing in this tube station. So this is the ISIS stabbing. So this guy looked like he was off his trolley, okay? I would, it's safe to say he's probably, he's probably under some sort of uh, mental health act supervision, definitely on some drugs or he wasn't taking his pills. But that's my, that's what it looked like to me. I'm going to play you this clip. Very much. Now the UK also facing their own terror threat. Watch. British police are calling a stabbing uh, attack on the London subway there yesterday a terrorist incident. A man there with a knife uh, slashed several people. Uh, in just the last minutes, the authorities there have reduced the number of victims from three initially now to two. Uh, but they say that man was yelling, this is for Syria. The man was taken into custody. That sounds like a pile of bullshit. This is for Syria. Exact words that the uh, supposed attacker at the Paris theater said the same thing. So that brings, that's, that's a way of, uh, continuing the narrative, closing the circle, etc. Nice and tidy. So it looks like I saw the footage of this. You can go ahead and look at it yourself online anywhere. The Daily Mail usually has all this stuff. Uh, it looked like an absolute nutter, like a homeless nutter with a kitchen knife. Okay. Now, if that's a terrorist incident, Wow, then I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I don't know, I don't know who I am. Uh, but, uh, anyway, I, I, is, is this a question of the media seizing upon this event or any event and making it into a terrorist incident? Wow, they wouldn't do that, would they? No, they've never done that before. Uh, so that was the last thing. So that was Woolwich, uh, Woolwich 2.0. Um, hat tip to Chris Spivey out there. Uh, that guy, Absolutely went through the ringer uh, because he questioned the uh, the Woolwich slasher and the whole narrative there. Uh, Chris Spivey is a, a minicab driver, but uh, a great great blogger in the UK and uh, a really ballsy individual. Um, I'll bet he's laughing right now at this story. I'll bet he's laughing right now. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to leave it at that. Uh, we did a little bit of extra overdrive here. Way, way, way overdrive. So uh, all I want to do is thank uh, thank everybody who participated in this week's show. Uh, we had a little problem with the connections uh, with, with Beirut, but we got it in the end. Uh, so thank you, Vanessa Beely and uh, uh, Ajamu. Um, oh, gosh, I can't pronounce his name. I don't know if I got that correct or not. Um, and also Stuart J. Hooper uh, as well. And, uh, and everybody, the details and links to the places on the show page. Uh, and thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week and we might be back in the midweek. The midweek wire is tough because we're tr- I'm trying to follow the news. So it's hard to produce a show midweek, uh, with, with what we have right now. So it's, it's a skeleton operation, but it's a damn good one. But thank you for joining us this week. Listen, what's going to happen this week? Well, if we if we believe Agent Storm, Agent Storm, the Danish Al Qaeda, subject of Paul Cruikshank's great novel, then we're due for a terrorist attack before Christmas, says Agent Storm, and a couple in Europe and one in the U.S. So let's wait and see. But anyway, enough of the bullshit. 
Thanks for joining us. Take care and have a great week.